uh, Leah Valley with Love Music. Bill, you're so excited to talk to your favorite band. I might have a jazz album, I might have a folk album, I might put out a dance album. I don't know. I remember this one time. I had been writing some songs and I and I went out this I'm just going right in on this story. I went out and so And listen, it's gonna be everybody's favorite band. This is weird music. I'm a lot of opportunities sprung up pretty fast. The affirmation just kept happening, like you're doing the right thing. Welcome to Lehigh Valley with Love Music. I am your co-host, Philip Reese, and along with Mr. Lehigh Valley with Love, George Wacker, we seek to bring you the very best in music happening in the area and the stories behind them. Hopefully bringing you something you hadn't heard or didn't know, all in an effort to enhance your enjoyment of live music. Each month we connect with artists, musicians, bands, and the like who are either from the area or have played here at a festival like Music Fest or one of the many venues that consistently bring exciting live music to the Lehigh Valley year-round. This episode, we spend exclusively with internationally renowned tenor banjoist Enda Scahill of Lee Banjo 3 and explore the band's history, dive into some of their songs, and discuss the rigors of touring. Recorded live from his home in Galway, Ireland, here is our interview with founding member of Wee Banjo 3, Enda Skyle. All right, Phil. As people can see, we're going to be uh, interviewing not the whole band, Wee Banjo 3, tonight, but one of the three, well, four. Um, we're excited to have... And uh, And there's a good story around We Banjo Three Well Four, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into to talk about that. So, Phil, how's it going? Welcome to 2022. Awesome. This is our first um, interview of 2022. I feel refreshed. We yeah, I'm fully refreshed and revitalized, stream. ready to rock and roll. And before we get to We Banjo Three, and before yeah, we, uh, this is great for the whole community. In January, January 2022, Leah Valley with Love Media, that is us, has teamed up with Frank Banco, Alehouse Cinemas at Steel Stacks to, to have $6 Wednesdays. You can enjoy many films, independent films, other popular films, $6 Wednesdays at Frank Banco, Alehouse Cinemas. Uh, be sure to visit steelstacks.org to get more information. So that's exciting. And I'm sure what you did is you took the the three twos in 2022 and said that adds up to six, and so it'll be six dollar Wednesdays. I don't know how they came to that. <laughs> I just figured it's a nice price point. It's nice and round number, so we're good. Um, it is, but it no, it's exciting. Is. It's exciting to. But let's get on to our our guest for uh, this evening. I'm excited. Yeah, but... I'll give you a little taste of, um, but just so you can give an idea if you're not familiar with Wee Banjo. <laughs> Thank you. 
let's just bring in our guest. We're here to talk to Mr. Enda Scahill himself. Totally. Enda, thank you for taking time. Thank you so much. Well, it's a pleasure. It just means everybody should go to the Weebanjo 3 uh, YouTube, subscribe, and then you can listen to all our music, right? Absolutely. It I is a, it's a very I... robust channel. Yeah, I managed to yeah, angle this... that in very nicely, didn't I? You just did. You definitely Banjo did. Weebanjo 3 on YouTube, and you, you can find it. So, so how are you? Before before we started, you said you are you know, currently in Ireland. How is it uh, over in, in that part of the world? It's, it's it's wonderful it's winter uh which doesn't we, got, we don't even know what that means in ireland anymore because it's not we haven't had a single day of frost mm. uh, but it's awesome yeah i'm in galway city and uh i can well if it's dark here right now because it's uh it's in the evening but i can see galway bay and i can see uh the hills of clare from my house my goodness that sounds do you get a, do you guys usually get a lot of snow where you are is that like a regular no Interesting. No, if we get snow, they have to send snow plows from other countries to save us. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I would just assume. I, don't know, I figure anything north of us, or at least on the same. No, uh, we got the like, we got we got the Gulf Stream the that comes, yes. and it, so we, we it's very temperate. Uh, we don't really get it very hot either. I mean, if we if we get like eighty two, you know, once once a year, that's really really warm. But we don't. And that's really an impressive that. conversion to Fahrenheit. Thank you for that. That's because eighty-two is twenty-eight. <laughs> well, now I now I can do that. Exactly, it's the only one I know. At thirty-two and eighty-two, and I know that anything over ninety is just like stay indoors. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Actually, we just had snow in Nashville, Tennessee, which is not a city that often gets it, and Virginia um, as well. Actually, but well, we saw oh, we saw it online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had everything from tornadoes to oh my gosh, those, those horrendous wildfires in Colorado, where it would oh, normally yeah. be snowing. So it's pretty mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah, right? the planet is pissed. <laughs> are you guys looking forward to, to 2022 in terms of being able to to get back out there i'm assuming you had some hiccups in 2021 like many artists yeah we we did we did our first tour in early early december first time in like 20 months and uh, because of the travel ban we missed out on you know all of the outdoor festivals that did happen in august mm -hmm. and september and then we just got into this complete nightmare with with visas and processing sure. and all of that right. so but we did we got out we got out in in december we did a two-week tour we did five nights uh, in colorado which is wonderful mm. and then we came up through michigan and pennsylvania we were down in uh, in philly uh, and then up on the east coast connecticut and new york but it, it was it was remarkably normal very quickly, actually, after having That's been great. at home for so long. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was. And it was, I mean, it was breathtaking to play in front of live human beings again after playing yes. into a camera for, for so long. Yeah. We yeah. did. We, we've been hearing that a lot from people, uh, you know, as we interview them, that they are like that first time that they hear applause after whether it's, you know, two years or even a shorter stint than that. It's still the most like that's the most invigorating feeling for a performer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Disconcerting. Why? What are, why, why are there people close to me? Go away. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah, definitely. I think like the first couple of shows back, you might see some of those like how far away, you know, once we're kind of into the clear, you know, people still being wary of it, which, hey, it's going to happen for, for at least the foreseeable future. I think so. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we, it remains to be seen what, what, what's even going to happen over the next couple of weeks and the next couple right. of months. But mm -hmm. fingers fingers crossed we'll, uh, we'll have an experience like they're having in South Africa, which was a very sharp spike and then a very mm -hmm. fast uh, decline. That's the mm -hmm. hopes. 
Yep, you know, yep, yep. It's the hopes. For sure. Yeah, because you were actually going back to what you missed. Like you were booked, I believe, for Music Fest last last August and then ran oh, yeah. into the travel issues. Yeah, we spent August, September and October just on this rolling series of cancellations where we mm. would hold out, hold out, hold out. Will they release the travel ban? Will they let, you know, Irish artists yep. get on planes? It was people doing all sorts of mad stuff like flying to Mexico and spending two weeks in Mexico and then entering oh the God. US from, you know, so there was all mm -hmm. sorts of bon bon people were getting all sorts of workarounds, but it nothing was straightforward. And uh, but we got over as soon as we could. And we loved it. And yeah, we're due to fly next week. Uh, and we, we start in Frederick, Maryland, and then we come up to Bethlehem. Which we're yeah, we're show number two on on this uh, on this run. So thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. So and the, it's the good the good news about that is that we won't be sold out of merchandise by the second night. That's true. That, that happened in Colorado. Oh yeah. Did well, speaking of merchandise, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a a, a wee banjo three sweat sweat. Bill bought it all at the Philly show. That's awesome. Um, it actually I did buy it back in. 2019 music fest and uh i did not wear it then because it was about nine thousand degrees that day um but uh um it's helping me today because i'm in a hundred year old home and it's only like 22 out so this this uh, attic space is a little <laughs> a little a little drafty yeah 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 we always love coming to bethlehem it, it happens and it has happened for us the last couple of years directly after dublin ohio mm -hmm. irish festival which is this monster three-day like absolute sweat box of the festival. We're playing sure. in a tent and it's 140 degrees in the tent. And, uh, you know, and we do these huge, we do these huge shows and then we sign CDs for two hours after the show. And uh, usually by the time we get to Bethlehem, it's a beautiful respite from the <laughs> insanity mm -hmm. of, of that because it's such a monster festival in Ohio. And, and it's uh, a big we, festival for you all, right? Like you have a huge following and, and representation there like that. If, if I remember reading it right, it was a place where you got a lot of validation early on. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have 10,000 people at, at the shows in Dublin. And that's amazing. All of the bedlam that goes along with that. But it's really, really good fun. You know? Well, we accept the challenge. We're going to try and get 10,000 to your show here. <laughs> that's the idea, right? <laughs> I want to. I've because I'm watching all these videos of you playing, and the it's really interesting to me because the, the competition stuff comes up a, a lot, and, and you're uh, well renowned for your your uh, competition. I'm just curious, like how is that when you begin playing banjo? You know, do you start um, thinking about competing, or were you more thinking about being a songwriter, or is it kind of just both kind of happen at once type? Well, as a kid, uh, you need to have a focus. And so, uh, you know, if you're doing classical music, piano or whatever, you're, you're building toward doing your regular exams and you're trying to get your distinction and you move on to the next kind of thing. And in Irish music, uh, you know, we're, we were all learning in school. I took up banjo when I was eight years old. And so as a focus, you have these national competitions and they, they start on a local level and then you progress through the ranks until you get to the national competition. And, uh, so it's a really great focus. It's a reason to go and learn and perfect a number of tunes. And so we mm -hmm. all did, we all did that as kids. And uh, um, depending on how clever you were, you could like Martin, who plays banjo and mandolin in the band, has he's got seven All Ireland titles because he he was he, he knew how to win it. He was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> how do you how do you win? Like, but you have easy. four, right? Yeah, I also got disqualified a bunch of times because I was a. <laughs> Are there judges? Like, do you have? Is it like synchronized swimming? Like, you have to hit a. Like, I'm not sure. Like, how does it? Do they know? Like, they swim. just know what the because it's so fast. You know what I mean? Like, how did they? 
Yeah, they just kind of you, you rock up and you play, and and I guess they have a list, and you know, there's all. I, I did some adjudication myself over the years, and you know, if you listen to twenty five banjo players, there's six are going to stand out, and then you you, you do your okay. very best to try and remember who are the top three kind of thing. And uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, I was a bit is there more is ver- there good healthy like you know when uh, maybe when you were younger or whatever uh, you and Martin having like <laughs> I'm going to beat you this year like is there anything well, like that that would. No, we were in different age age groups. Oh, okay. uh, I, I didn't know it's it. it's hard to tell, but I have a few years on Martin. So, <laughs> but there was loads of competition because you would meet the same people every year. And the lovely thing is now, like 20, 25 years on, God help us, you know, I'd be still great buddies with a lot of the people that I would compete mm-hmm. against. You know, I mm-hmm. got disqualified one year because I played a crazy. We would play three three or four tunes. I played a crazy tune, mm-hmm. and my mom loves the story because she was late come into the competition and she sat down and the woman beside her said, do you see that fellow over there in the red t-shirt pointing at me? And she, she says to my mom, she goes, well, he, he played the most beautiful uh, first two tunes. And then he played this absolutely stupid third tune and he ruined it for himself. And mom is there going, yeah, that's my lad. <laughs> I think at like the end of these competitions, you should have like number one and number two, like play against each other. No, I think maybe fight it out like physically. That would be way more fun. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, you know, I was thinking more like you'd have to be like you play this, and then they have yeah, to come like a back. battle it of just, the banjos. I would well, watch was... a battle of the banjos. hundred. I think it'd be, it'd be over. You've seen Zombieland. It'd be over pretty quick. I mean, whoever got the first decent swing in, right? <laughs> right. Because so, actually, that's a, that was even something else I was going to ask about. We had a, a different gentleman on who plays more Dixieland jazz, and he plays the tenor banjo as well. And we did get into a little bit of a conversation in the in the episode about like the difference between tenor banjo and just regular banjo or whatever so i guess one of the things is is it's incredibly heavy and uh and like you said so get a good swing on that one it'll probably take a zombie out but i just wanted to ask you a little bit more about like is there uh something that attracted you to tenor banjo or is that part of that training in the in the early ages or like how how did you kind of pick that as your as your instrument I, I love the sound. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I, yeah, I was eight years old, and uh, I was playing tin whistle, the little penny whistle that everybody uh, in our school everybody learned the, the tin whistle. Mm-hmm. And I think I was probably doing piano lessons as well. Mm-hmm. And um, our, my, the music teacher just came in one day, and she goes, "Who wants to play the banjo?" And I was like, "Hey!" <laughs> and bizarrely, my 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 mom was a teacher in the school who was on maternity leave, and the music teacher who came to the school had a baby. And so my mom would mind the music teacher's baby. So anyway, I went home that evening and there's a banjo in the house with a little list of instructions on where the notes are and what to do. And uh, the rest is history. The rest but is I history. Took, I, yeah, I loved it. As soon as I, hit, I started playing it, I was like... That's fantastic. Is... You can remember that too. Like you have that yep. moment of, whoa, there it right. is. Not knowing where it's going to take you, but yeah. there it is. Like this... thank, thank God she didn't say piano accordion because, I mean, it would have been a way sadder career, right? Or like a French horn or something. <laughs> just plopped it there. Like, this is it. This is what you got. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we French horn three doesn't roll off the tongue now, does it? No. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. um, and even speaking about the, the heft of that banjo... Um, this is something else I read about where, uh, and I think it should be a pretty cool story. Um, you guys performed for Barack Obama and the Prime Minister of Ireland at the Friends of Ireland in Washington, D.C. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. What a very Barack. cool thing there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you, if you obviously share whatever story about that, but what, what, I guess I read that somewhere along the way, Martin asked President Obama to hold his banjo and he said no because it was too heavy. <laughs> 
he said he 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 we asked him a number of times we well, well i'll tell you what we we asked if we could if we could ask him so we, we had a couple of handlers that were looking after us right mm -hmm. and, the, and they did the whole thing of like you're going to follow these people and don't, don't move left or right you know, right just, yes yeah you're going to go straight onto the podium don't look at anybody don't make any and literally don't make any sharp movements <laughs> right 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 and and it was amazing but we asked can we ask president obama to hold the banjo and they said, hold on a second. And they're like, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> under no circumstances are you to ask the president to hold the banjo, right? And like, who does that typical. call go to? They're like, they're asking if he can hold the banjo. Like, what? No. So 100% Irish. Martin, mm -hmm. Martin is like, I'm going to ask him anyway. <laughs> and so we get him up on stage with uh, with Joe Biden and uh, the Irish, the, the Taoiseach of Irish, yeah, the Irish prime minister. And there's a bunch of others. And uh and Martin is straight away, Mr. President, would you like to hold the banjo? <laughs> and he, he said, uh, he said, no, I don't. My advisors uh, said that it would be a bad idea for me to hold the banjo. And, and Martin, you go, Martin goes, are you sure you wouldn't like to hold the banjo? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, are you a friend of Ireland or aren't you? That's what the whole day was about. Because yeah, they have that exactly. audacity. Can you imagine? I'd be next to him like, I'm just here like, to ask him. To hold it. It's pretty wild. That's awesome. That is super awesome. And, and the, I imagine that that performance was was probably pretty awesome for you guys. I mean, it, you're there oh, with the, the heads of both these countries that you're so connected yeah. to. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. A great honor, actually, to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there any recordings of that, or was that just for them? That was just for them, yeah. Um, that's, that's even my, cooler, actually, like. Yeah, my wife flew over from Ireland when she when she found out that we were going to meet uh, President Obama. She mm -hmm. flew over for one night, so she she has a little uh, video on her iPhone. That's true. That we weren't allowed release. We asked. They're like, no, under no circumstances. <laughs> you can't hold a banjo, and you're not allowed to record it. But it happened. Um, but that, the story amazing, gets though. bigger with every telling, of course. Yeah, because yeah, now it's whatever you guys say it is. That's what it is. Martin had, wrestled um, him to the ground and made him hold the banjo. Yeah, yeah. You're holding this banjo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so take me back a little bit. We, we talked about how you got uh, started with banjo itself. How do you um, go through that and eventually form the band that becomes We Banjo 3? Right. So, yeah, I was playing banjo for years. I, I got asked in my early 20s to join... Uh, a very very traditional band so i, I was like a complete rebel uh, because traditional traditional irish music is is very traditional and there's rules to how you play it and it's not not dissimilar to we'll say competition fiddle playing in in the us you know with texas style and all of that kind of thing right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I was always kind of pushing the boundaries and and got got into kind of rock and roll on the banjo and all this kind of thing uh, but i got asked to join this really prestigious uh but very traditional band my dad was delighted because he was like you know he wasn't too fond of the mad stuff that i was doing <laughs> and he was like this is wonderful these are esteemed traditional musicians but the, the beautiful thing about that was they started to tour they'd been touring in the us for years um but when i when i joined the band we started to do some work in the southern states so we, we would be playing down in Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama, where Irish bands just didn't go mm -hmm. at the time and still don't do any to any great extent. Um, so during that process, like we do a show and there'd be 25 string banjo players would be queued up after the show to go, how are you doing all of these triplets on a flat pick? We've never heard anything like it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't know a huge amount about bluegrass music, but through that journey of 
meeting five string banjo players, I started to investigate five string and bluegrass music and old time music an awful lot more and absolutely fell in love with it. <clears throat> and so I was in this very traditional band, but I, I what I wanted to do was to explore the different sounds that you could make on an Irish banjo. And at the time I knew Martin and David Howley because they're, they're the two brothers that are in We Mangle mm -hmm. Three. And they were both at the time were, were playing banjo. And I invited them up to the house and I said, let's just see what happens. We'll just start start playing. We had a couple of old timey tunes. And David was playing guitar at the time as well. So he was kind of doing the bum chuck on the uh, on the banjo. Mm -hmm. And myself and, myself and Martin were, were riffing on the on the old timey kind of rhythms, which is very it's very simple music, so it's it's very easy to to play it. Sure. And uh we just started smiling. I remember we were sitting around my kitchen <laughs> and just going, This is just awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah. And so we, we would just meet up on a regular basis and we would play and we would experiment with different sounds. And so Martin entered this into a competition with a kind of a, a branch of the Arts Council in, in Ireland. And they had this thing called the Young Music White Award and it was to give bursaries to young bands. Right. And so a bunch of like very traditional bands all applied for it. And then we banjo three, which at the time was three people playing three banjos. And so we got shortlisted and we got brought to Dublin for uh, an interview and, and an audition. And bizarrely, as I was driving to Dublin, I heard an interview with Mick Maloney, who's a professor in, uh, in, in university in, in, in New York. <laughs> and he was talking about the history of the banjo. And so he was talking about slavery and old time music and bluegrass music and, and how the whole thing developed and how it came to Ireland through the minstrels and all of this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. which I hadn't known until I heard him talking about it. <laughs> so That's we, went this, we went to this audition and I'm like, and the banjo it came from Africa. And I'm just like repeating what I heard on the radio the night before. And, they're, and, they, like, and are, so you, are you a professor? Yeah. yeah. You get all this knowledge. So, so we, we won the bursary. And they were like, we we're really impressed with how much you love the history and the journey of the instrument. <laughs> uh, well, if there was ever like a like the universe wanted you to go down this path, exactly. So Wait, did you just happen to, to find? Were you just happen to find? They just happen to be talking about banjos, or are you listening to like a banjo network? No, I just turned on the radio. There's only like five Irish channels, and, th and this was on. I, I, I was guess, in the car. Incredible. It's like one of them is always talking about banjos. Yeah, it was completely uh, random, and uh, that's so funny. So this was a three-year anniversary, and so it, it, it included money to record an album, and wow. a bunch of tours in Ireland, which were all funded. Um, and and we sold out wow. every single show because people mm -hmm. would come along. They're like, "We banjo three. This sounds like." total fun like three banjos sounds crazy and we didn't know enough music at the time to play a full show right <laughs> so we used, to, we used to tell we used to tell loads of jokes like just jokes mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. the, the show was kind of like half telling jokes and stories and half playing music and songs mm -hmm. and people loved it because it was it was highly entertaining and and so just to to to, to explain you know why there's four people in the band very quickly, we got to the maximum sound that we could get with three banjos, mm -hmm. right? There's only so many, especially because there are three banjos tuned the very same way. Sure. There's only so many iterations of how you play each of the instruments. Mm -hmm. So Dave uh, started playing guitar. Martin started to play mandolin. And so we were able to expand the kind of soundscape of, of what we were doing. And so we, we got invited to Milwaukee Irish Festival. Uh, in 2011, they asked us, would we come in 2012? We just released 
our first album. Mm-hmm. And I, I had played the festival in 2003, and I knew how big it was. I sure. mean, I, we were talking monster stages. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified that three guys with not enough sound, <laughs> right, that we would just go down like a damn squib. And so my brother, who's a fiddler, Fergal, uh, he had played on our, our, on our, on our album. Uh, and at the time, he was playing in the pubs in, 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 uh, in Clifton, which is in the west coast of Ireland, making a fortune. He was playing for American tourists, like doing 14 gigs a week, mm-hmm. tip jar, CDs, you name it. Like he was absolutely creaming it in. And we forced him to come to Milwaukee for the weekend. We kind of guilt tripped him in. And he goes, I don't want to be in your band. <laughs> and I don't want to give you, do you understand how much money I'm going to give up to go to Milwaukee for the weekend? Go to Milwaukee. Like Milwaukee. I mean, yeah. He's like, this just, he was given, this is just going to cost me money. And we we're like, we look after you. Don't worry. You know? Right. Uh, and so we just, all, all we didn't want to do was embarrass ourselves when we got there. And we just, and I, I don't know why I've, I've looked back at the videos from that time and it's mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, but it blew up. I think mm-hmm. we hit a time in the Irish music market or in the scene where things had been stagnant for a couple of years. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. And then we came in doing something completely different, like banjos, mm-hmm. a little touch of bluegrass, uh, and an awful lot of fun, an awful lot of play acting on stage, because both Fergal and Dave are just natural entertainers, and they're standing on tables and running across, you know, through the crowd and all this kind of thing. Yep. And it, bl- it blew up. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we went from playing in, this, in the small little stage to, you know, 20 people to 3,000 people trying to get into the into that little tent at the end of, at the, end of the festival. And... And then suddenly we had a band and there was four people in it and it was called We Banjo 3. And for a very short amount of time, we tried to call it We Banjo 3 plus one to try and make some numerical sense out of it. And Ferdinand was like, I'm not going to be a plus one. I'm the plus one. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when you get invited to a wedding and it says plus one, it would always be him. Like, I guess yeah. I got to bring Fergal to this one. But uh, well, that, like, did, how did, when did he change his mind about wanting to be part of band? Like, was it in the middle of that set going, I am not giving this up? Or yeah, was it a couple of little longer it was, it was essentially that that weekend uh, kind of was just the starting block to do a tour the following summer and we went out the following summer and we did seven weeks and we did a whole bunch of irish festivals we did dublin we, we finished up in milwaukee did kansas city i think we even ended up playing down in birmingham alabama toward the mm-hmm. end of that tour mm-hmm. we did crazy driving we mm-hmm. had like just a nervous breakdown halfway through the tour and just kept going from the mm-hmm. exhaustion of the drives you know <laughs> And because that's different, like driving, I don't mean to like curtail your story, but driving out that way is the only way to really see America. But it's a little bit different than road tripping, I would think, in in Europe, maybe a little bit, or or is it very similar? No, it's very, very different. Um, and we had we, we, you know, we've become steeled over the years. And you know, like Americans don't think anything about going six hours in a car, just go right. You know, we we have people at shows all of the time, it goes, Yeah, I just drove 14 hours to get here, and you're like, What? What? You know, an Irish There's person. Like seven countries. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no. If you put an Irish person into a car for fourteen hours, it's because they're going to a mental asylum, and they were and they're, <laughs> and they're you, fit for. And you drove around it three times. Yeah, yeah, you were a hundred percent ready when you get there. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's so. Yeah, that nearly killed us because we were not used to those kind of drives at all. And right. uh, but, we, but now we, you now you like you said you've stealed oh, it. Up. Road hard now. Road stage, hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that debut album is Roots of the Banjo Tree, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, um, <laughs> not 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 satisfied with having a ridiculous name, we had to then have a a name for the album that just confused people even more. Because <laughs> you know, in Ireland, people don't pronounce their H's, so it was We Banjo Tree, 
Mm -hmm. It was the banjo tree. And so your radio presenters loved us for that one. Yeah. That's yeah, um, but uh, the the uh, like the accolades happen right away. Not only obviously on stage like you just shared, but uh, it won traditional music album of the year, right? Again, it was just it was of its time because what happened was you, you had you had this very uh, busy period in Irish music where there was lots of bands that, and they were all producing music, but they were all in that very traditional idiom, and they all had Irish names like Danu sure. and Dervish, and you know. Mm-hmm. And we came along and we're like, we're called We Banjo Three, and we don't even really play Irish music. And everyone was like, Ooh, what's this? You know. <laughs> right. And so we got a lot of attention very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like every album that comes out now, from what I can read, debuts at number one on the Billboard for for bluegrass. Correct? Yeah, it does really, really well. We've had we've had two. Blue- Two bluegrass number ones and uh, two world music one number ones. That was before BTS came out of uh, South Korea. They're just <laughs> nobody could get on the world music chart. If now. they added a banjo, no, right. you'd be you'd be in trouble. <laughs> you know, all, they're one banjo away. So. Yeah. Well, maybe the B it stands for banjo, and then you're really in trouble. You know, pale and all as I am, I'm not pale enough <laughs> to be in BTS. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I just think the uh, back to. I am not shocked to hear that the that first show was an incredible success. Having been to three, I think four, um, there's just something magical about what you guys have going on up there. Like it's it's not um, just bluegrass or Irish or the storytelling. It's this, I mean, magical kind of uh, experience that I really highly encourage anybody to go see because it's so powerful like if you read reviews it'll say something like by the end of the show no one was sitting down that's not just like something to say it's legitimately true and one of the shows i saw you in was the sellersville theater which for people who are familiar with the sellersville theater it's nothing but seats like an old movie theater no one was sitting by the end of that show everyone was standing up and dancing as well as you could in between movie theater seats movie theater seats anyway um so i wanted to you know just say that that i think that it's you know um, it's just something that you guys have that chemistry, um, and then the music that you write and, and the energy that you bring. And even when the storytelling is happening, you've not dropped that at all. Like this, there's this very funny moments and very poignant and, and sweet moments. We'll get to that in a second. Like you guys have a, a really tremendous show to what you put on for people. Thank you. That was wonderful. Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> it must be true. Lincoln, uh, is, 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 uh, sharing his. He's like, no, um, this is total nonsense. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he, was, he was like, bravo, bravo. No, that's right. Yeah. Home, so, okay. Um, Ferdl and I were in France many years ago, just to, to, to speak a little bit to that point. Uh, and we met a fiddler uh, from uh, the the northeast of Ireland called Jerry O'Connor. And so we spent the weekend together at a, at a festival. Where we were teaching and playing and stuff. And Jerry gave us a few pieces of advice. Very kind man, very generous man. Uh, and one of the things he said to us, he said, is that it's very important that you stay right-sized when you're playing music on stage. And he said what he does is every night he goes on stage, he imagines that there's a little old lady that has saved up for a couple of months or has traveled a great distance to be at your show. And he said, if you play to her every night, you'll stay right-sized. Mm-hmm. And we really took that to heart. We talk about it a lot in the band. Sure. So that when you go out on stage, it's a privilege to be there. People have sacrificed and saved mm-hmm. and traveled to be there. And that your job then is, your job is to entertain them, to mm-hmm. invite them to participate. It's not that you go on stage and you play all of this virtuosic or heady 
music and they can take it or leave it, you know. And yeah. so that, that 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 was part of the ethos of the band right from the very start. Yeah, I mean, that's so huge, though, like to have something that keeps you grounded um, and humble, I guess, might be another word for it. Um, is not always easy to do, but uh, but obviously it's really, you know, very helpful. It's, it's great. Thank you for sharing that. And along two... the lines of what you... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say, you've got two sets of brothers in a band. Humility is not easy. I mean, I, I was <laughs> no, going to say, it's, it's, it. it's not hard. You won't get away with an ego. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. People, you know, is if somebody could go off on that ego trip and they don't have somebody to keep them in check, you know, that right. could result in some not great things. And yeah. Phil, to some of the things that you were saying, do you guys think that because you're, you're uh, kind of bringing, you're, you're meshing some of these traditional iris, some bluegrass together, that's what makes this special and, and what kind of opens it up? And I hate to use the word mainstream, but does kind of get it to that audience that maybe wouldn't necessarily say, hey, I listen to bluegrass. But when they hear you, they'll be like, I listen to this, though, even mm -hmm. though they don't know that it's kind of... Yeah, we're 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 uh, reverentially irreverent, and I think that's <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's, that's a good mix, you know. Mm -hmm. So we we'll go to a bluegrass, uh, we we'll go to a bluegrass festival, and we will play some bluegrass tunes. But we'll play them in a very Irish way, and we'll tag on an Irish reel at the end. And mm -hmm. I mean, and you know that there are very strong rules to bluegrass, and it's yeah. you know there's 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 whole things that you do and you don't do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we come in mm -hmm. with like, hello, we're from Ireland. <laughs> you know, you're going to dance. There's, there's a there's a brilliant festival in, in northern Colorado. It might be southern Colorado. I'm not sure. It's in Colorado. It's called Four Corners Folk Festival. Okay. And there's a, there's a tent. And it's a very strict rule of the festival that you're not allowed to dance in the tent. So there's oh a dance area outside that has a sign that says this is the dance area. Very serious. What do we do? Everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> and so all the reviews are like the only the Irish band will come along, mix a bluegrass tune with an Irish tune and then break the cardinal rule of the festival and have mm -hmm. the entire audience dancing in a no dance tent. Right. Did you get in any trouble for that? Are there are no repercussions no. like no, nothing. Just... No, they're thrilled. They love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that like probably at least a third of the room, if not more, has always wanted to do that. Like they're like, I want to stand up and dance to this kind of music. Exactly. So you were just yeah. you know, setting the table, and then they took a seat. Yeah, uh, we we, we take up. our we, we don't take ourselves seriously in a very serious manner as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, 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 all yeah. the paradoxes. So actually, that's a great transition there. Sorry. So there is there is a one element of your show that is very serious, and I wanted to make sure that we spend a little bit of time there. In that, you guys have a lot of awareness um, and and you know information you bring to people who need it in in the mental health area. And there's some songs that you guys have written specifically about that, but even um, portions of, of all of your sales goes towards organizations that help uh, people in need. So I wanted to make sure we touched on that a little bit because I know it's an important uh, part of, of what you guys talk about. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it became a movement, certainly in the broader entertainment industry over the last number of years. And, yeah. um, you know, our singer, David, was very open, very honest about it, that he had no more than so many people had struggled with anxiety and depression. Sure. Um, you know, and we had written a couple of songs about it. And what we found is that when you talk about it, uh, you know, people are very, very open to hearing about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what we realized quite quickly is that there's often an awful lot of people at audiences uh, that are really struggling, even, you know, in the moment. And, Certainly. uh, 
So they feel they feel validated, and then they want to come up and talk and meet you and all that kind of thing, you know. So it, what uh, initially was, I, I don't think we fully anticipated the connection that people would have with it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that was very gra- gratifying is the wrong word, but again, it's a kind of a humbling kind of thing that mm-hmm. if you, you you know you're playing music and you're singing songs and you have the the, the job almost to entertain people. But then the opportunity arises where you can connect with them on a very, very deep level. Certainly. And so that that has been a great experience. I think the reception there is because it has a stigma to it. And when it, the stigma is removed and it's okay, that is such a like a relief for someone who is struggling. And it's going to be way, way more people than anyone ever realizes. Um, I think that must be why that it becomes such a, a, a thing that they're so thankful for for that moment um and that ability to to feel again like you said validated yeah i mean it can be an extremely lonely place if if you are Mm -hmm. suffering on any level Mm -hmm. and people can feel very very alone with that and if they go to a concert and then they hear well hey we we have also struggled i mean that sense of identification and connection is a huge part of healing uh, any healing modality when it comes to mental health and so uh, that was an inadvertent um kind of result of of what we were doing and when, when we played that festival in dublin ohio a number of years ago um, mm-hmm. when this lady came to the show uh on a saturday night her friend had been on friday night mm-hmm. uh, and then she came on saturday night and she came up to talk to us after the show and her son had uh, killed himself on thursday mm-hmm. so two days prior um and she came up and talked to us and she said i'd heard that you were singing about about mental health and about depression and anxiety and and I just wanted to come and be be part of that experience, you know. And the following morning, we wrote that song, "Hold On to Your Soul," which uh, mm-hmm. you know, people, and it was it was as a direct result of the immediacy of that lady's experience, which was, yeah. you know, very real and very very raw. Mm-hmm. Um, it's four in the morning. And the needles of darkness are stinging your bones There's no one to call and there's no one to phone And the cold dark waters are calling you home If you're on the outside and just looking in If you're awkward and lonely and don't fit your skin The world is unfriendly, your head's in a spin And you're looking for an out cause you can't find an in Hold on to yourself and don't let it go I know the pain's real and I know how it feels Hold on to yourself and don't let it go Hold on, hold on for tomorrow So again, 
you know, you, you never really know when you're on stage who's in front of you, you know, what, what they're going through. And it's not that it becomes a huge kind of a burdensome affair where you, you're, you're like, oh, we have to hold everybody. But if you make it just an honest part of what we do, certainly uh, that seemed to resonate very strongly with people. Yeah, I think um, especially the last two years, people have found myself included so much solace in music, you know, yep. whether it's experiencing music a little bit more slowly, I guess, in my opinion, listening to it that way. So to be able, the, the prospect of going back out and going to some spring and, and well, winter too, but spring and summer stuff uh, and being able to experience the act of listening to music, I, I think is something too that people are are really looking forward to it's been a long two years i mean and i know there's been blips here and there being able mm -hmm. but but not in that blissful not worrying too yeah there's always been a, a shroud on top of it yeah. um, well, it's like it's like going to the cinema you know if you watch an awesome movie at home and then you watch an awesome movie in, in a packed cinema and you have right. this communal yep. experience there's an energy and you know it's not totally. too similar to music yeah mm -hmm. oh totally another song to mention in this category um and and the the couple the, the times I've seen you play, when David tells you know his story and shares that it's something he struggles with, he often sings "Don't Let Me Down" after that. Um, and I would just again recommend you know everyone to go listen to it. But certainly, if it's something that you you know uh, struggle with, it can be a very powerful song. Um, in in even in a way to maybe share with a loved one to kind of maybe how that feels. So anyway, that's just another song I wanted to mention. Last summer, our tour was called the Light in the Western Sky Tour. And uh, we called it that because in Ireland, where we're from, the sun during the summertime never fully goes down. There's always a hint of light in the, in the distance. And we thought that was such a beautiful metaphor for life that even in the darkest times, in the hardest times of your life, that there's always a glimmer of hope. And um, so we're going to do a song mix that's called Don't Let Me Down. And it's, it's a love song for yourself. It's a love song for your own heart. And it's a song that I wrote about my own struggles with mental health. And that last summer tour, one of the things we really wanted to do is we wanted to travel around and use our music as a way to open a conversation around mental health and suicide wherever we went. And, um, and that if, uh, if you're out there tonight and you're having a hard time and you're struggling, know that you're not alone. This song's for you. No, I just can't talk right now. I know I should, but I don't. Don't let me down 
it only fix my heart. You're all I need. Cause you're my missing part. You're the one. And the donations go to, I'm sure, a couple of different organizations, but it looks like you recently started doing it specific. There's a, this organization backline that actually is specific for people in the music industry who struggle with mental health. Is yeah, that, that was, that was the most recent one in, in, in 2020. And yeah. prior, prior to that mental health America and prior mm -hmm. to that Pieta house, which is a suicide prevention charity in Ireland. So sure. So we'll, we'll link to these two in the show notes, just yeah, so that if, if people are interested in learning more about them to either reach out or to support them and however we, you know, anyone can, you know, that that'll be something that we'll include. Hmm. I look, you get, you're heading out to the West coast on this upcoming tour. It looks like, am I right? Yep. Yeah. 23. Are you, you know, what are some of the things that you enjoy about, I mean, we talk about 14 hour drives, maybe not the biggest fan, but what are some of the things out there on the road? that you do enjoy uh, seeking out good coffee shops that's, that's a that, that's a big thing it's something that everybody in the band enjoys so we'll hit a town and the first thing is like where's the best coffee roaster uh we, <laughs> we, we got a this, bunch in bethlehem i, I was mean, just gonna say I'm, yeah we've got a couple try. we could send you to yeah. yeah i'm no doubt that martin howley already knows the names of them because he has a <laughs> well that a, makes a, sense a I was on you guys have where was i you'd sell sh coffee right oh we had our own coffee yeah and the last couple of live streams that we did we were selling we banjo three coffee there's no banjos in it yeah there it is there. <laughs> there you go this is made of real <laughs> no banjos. banjos yeah we grind down uh, banjos well, sold out well congratulations it was yeah we've made a, we, we even made a mug to put it in and we covered all the what we made wine bottles we were very busy with merchandise last year trying to keep mm -hmm. i'm sure everything on the road uh we love uh, ethnic food is a big deal for us because uh, there's the stuff we can get in the U.S. that we, we don't get to experience in Ireland sure. readily. Sense, yeah. So um, mm -hmm. we're, we're always big fans of uh, Vietnamese restaurants and Korean stuff like that. And there's mm -hmm. great, great, great food in America. We, we have a great Malaysian restaurant if you right, if, if right you're in the south side where you're going to be. Right close where the, the stacks are. Awesome. We'll check it out. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the that you guys do a podcast called Inside the Banjo Bears. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. I, I started that last year, and there's 21 episodes out there. Uh, decided to focus uh, on banjo, oddly enough. But <laughs> so uh, weird. There, it's it's not just banjo. But you know what? I got to interview like Bela Fleck, who is oh very cool, the, wow. the god of banjo. Mm -hmm. And then I got to I got to interview his wife Abigail Washburn, who yep. is clawhammer banjo player. You know, mm -hmm. but it's. It's 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 wonderful to get to talk to your musical heroes and then but to, to get to know them a little bit and mm -hmm. to to find my, my big thing is always like what's underneath the genius, mm -hmm. you know, oh, what, what's what's going on. I the one question I ask everybody is like, Do you have any self doubt? So I asked Tony Trishka and he's like, Man, I've been doing this for like eighty years and no one ever asked me before that, that before. He says, That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Did let's ask you it? then. You're you're one of my musical heroes. Do you have any self doubt? I have nothing but self doubt. <laughs> Is that what but, keeps you? Uh, doesn't, doesn't everybody have self doubt? It's not a question of not having it. It's a question mm -hmm. of learning how, how to deal with, uh, it, yeah. deal with Chan it and channel even, it. Yeah, yeah, almost ignore it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it becomes. Who had a brilliant answer to that was Ron Block, 
uh, Ron, who plays with Alison Krauss and Union Station. And I said, mm -hmm. what's your inner critic like? And he said, I use it. So he does a lot of writing. So he he, he writes for music magazines and stuff like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And so he'll start writing, he said, and up comes the inner critic who'll start going, you're no good. This is rubbish. And he'll say, mm -hmm. thank you very much. I'm going to come back to you later. And then he puts it to one side. He finishes the writing and then he invites it in to mm. critique what he's written mm. at, in the editing process. And I was like, mm -hmm. wow, that's a that's a brilliant way of approaching it. It's that like sure recognizing is. that it exists and then you utilizing it. That was one of the better answers I got. Yeah. Wow, that's super cool. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We have a bunch of new merch. So we have at least three brand new t-shirts that are coming out exclusively that's... for this tour. So this has been great. We hope that people aren't uh, commenting. We're going to give away those tickets later. Uh, and this has been so much fun. Thank you for taking time. Yes, thank you so much. Out of your schedule to, to, to spend some time with us. Um, we know you guys yeah. are too. The Music Fest Cafe is one of the most beautiful spots, and yeah, uh, we can't we can't wait for it to be just you know mm -hmm. hopping again like it was before every the pandemic started. And we're excited, so so we appreciate it. <sighs> Endless Gay Hill with We Banjo Three playing at Steel Stacks. Thank you guys very much. And thank you. We'll, thank uh, you. We'll see you soon. And thank everybody. Thank you. Thank everybody. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Phil, let, let's say goodbye to everybody. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Lehigh Valley with Love Music. We once again want to thank our guest, Enda Scahill, and all of We Banjo 3 for his time and the use of their music. We wish them safe travels for their upcoming tour, and congrats to the winner of those tickets. There are links in the show notes to the band uh, website, Spotify, and YouTube channels, as well as those organizations that they promote and support regarding mental health and suicide awareness and prevention. Please check them all out, follow them on those socials, and subscribe to their content. Make sure you check them out when they're playing live in your area. Tune in next month where we interview The Accidentals and Gangster Grass. Lehigh Valley with Love is sponsored by Arts Quest, Michael Bernadin with Howard Schaefer and Associates Remax Realty, hashtag find Mike, and Molly's Irish Grill and Sports Pub. If anyone would like to sponsor our show, there are now opportunities to do that for just the music content or for the entire Lehigh Valley with Love media enterprise. Hit us up on email or DM us on any of the social media platforms. And also, if you are a musician and want to be on the show, reach out as well. Once again, my sincere gratitude to Carver Commodore, Argonaut and Wasp, and Blair Crimmins for their the opportunity to use their music in the show open, the transitions, and here at the close. It means so much, so thank you very much for that. Please subscribe to our show so you can get all the alerts um, and the, to the live broadcast and these interviews that will continue the first Tuesday of each month. We've got some great artists scheduled in the coming t uh, months and, and weeks and uh, some awesome stuff that would be uh, in the spring and the lead-up to Music Fest 2022. Hope you had a great rest of your January and look forward to catching a live show together soon. It's all over now.